So tell us a little bit about who you are. And um, well, I'm Tom Fugelberg. I'm Brian Craning, and we are the co-creators of Seeking Permission. Uh, we are a songwriting project based in Minneapolis that really makes its sole goal creating songs in the key of hope, as we would say, for you know uh, a world that is uh, in dire need of feeling that. Um, and in doing so, we're hoping to also um, create greater awareness for the children's mental health crisis and ultimately use proceeds from our music to go to partner organizations who are helping kids who are struggling with anxiety and depression with a specific focus in underserved communities um, because that's really where the areas, you know, the need is greatest. All right. Uh, so how did you two get hooked together to start this? Well, I was uh, innocently living my life. <laughs> innocent. And that's a great that opening line. Big yeah. on his face. And then I got a call from a person that I love dearly, Tom Fugelberg. I haven't heard from Tom. Uh, I hadn't heard from Tom for probably a good, I don't know, 18 years or so. Uh, we had worked together. We were uh, ad executives running an ad agency, a successful one in downtown Minneapolis. And like everything, you know, your careers continue to evolve. And we we went our separate ways and, and both ended up starting our own companies. We're, we're actually competitors. And the only reason I said yes to Tom's call was to somehow not have to compete with him anymore in the marketing realm. But the, but the truth be told, he called um, somewhat like Tom always does with a lot of humility and asked me if I would, if I would consider helping him develop some songs, some original songs that he was trying to get off the ground. And at the time, because of kind of just an emotional struggle, he saw his children having in himself with the world imploding COVID, the George Floyd's uh, murder and, you know, countless other things, just living in a, a political world of sure. divide. Right, yeah. Tom? Yeah. So I don't know, like, if you want to explain kind of some of what you were... You have teenage kids? Is that what the no, age or whatever? No, now they're 13, oh, almost so they're 11 and 7, so they're very small. And so, yeah, to, to give you a, back, a little backdrop, it was... Um, there's there's not too much more personal than this initiative. I, I, I've been through the woods uh, with with anxiety, and I had was three-and-a-half-year battle with panic going into COVID. And when COVID hit... To Brian's point, you had just the vitriol and the anger of the election, right? Yeah. All the noise. And then suddenly, um, yeah, you're trying, you have three young kids, two of whom have some special needs. You know, we have autism and ADHD in the mix. Sure. And we're trying to figure out how you keep, you know, their education on track when that social component is so big. Mm -hmm. Um, We had, um, uh, you know, uh, we're business people with their own agency so you're trying to figure out a PPP loan and that was yeah. changing every day and then when the Floyd murder hit um, just on a human level it was just hurt and then you see the cities where you know it's been so good to us and such a big part of my own you know just development as a person for 20 some years now um, on fire yeah. you know, and anger and, and his agency Agency Blue is kind of a virtual agency our agency, Friends and Neighbors, has a little location, but we're right next to the police precinct next door. 
uh, <laughs> town. So we were the national backdrop on CNN. Like, oh, wow. every night. But you had barricades and razor wire and the National Guard and all of those things. And then in this neighborhood, uh, you can see some patches of relatively new cement. Uh, at the time, was very new. There was just some sidewalk repair, and some kids came through and put um, swastikas and some hate language in there. My wife happens to be Chinese. My kids are mixed. So things got very real, right? And and at times like that, you know, I was always brought up, and what I've always loved about Brian is he's just he's pure optimism. And I was <laughs> raised to, to be that way, too. But... You know, even the truest optimist, you know, it, it takes so much energy to generate positive energy, right? But music has an ability to do that. Yeah. It can help you feel. It gives you a power over that type of darkness. You know, you can actually go to light. You can feel it yourself. And I used to do music, and I, and I always say it was a different time and a different time. I had toured and all those <laughs> types of things. But um, I had not been active musically um, for some time. And so there's a lot of self-doubt that crept back. Oh, there. sure, yeah. You're like, and, and you also just atrophy as an artist who's been raising kids. Um, so as these ideas were starting, it kind of started. There's a bonfire back there. That's what I was doing. I was trying to figure out. I would just get the kids down at night, and I'd sneak out with a bottle of wine on guitar. And, and I'm pretty ham-fisted on a guitar. <laughs> That's the but I was um, just kind of, you know, singing in to Siri, uh, into my iPhone, and, and I just, over the, you know, the weeks of doing that, I just, I just kind of kept going back to it, because I'm like, I think there's something here, I just don't know what the heck it is, but I know that it's helping me cathartically, and I think there's a lot of people out there maybe feeling these things, but then I would go for a long walk during the day, and just stew over it, like, what the heck do I do, because all of my old music connections, well, they're, they're still active, but... You know, they're out in L.A., they're doing all sorts of different, and, and the genre this music was presenting itself <laughs> was probably something they wouldn't associate with me. So I had a lot of things that um, I had to get past, but um, I remember it was down uh, 11 p.m. It was coming in from one of those just late night sessions out of the bonfire, and I said, I know who I need to call. I just haven't talked to this guy in 20 years. <laughs> and um, I worked up en enough courage to call him and you know I, I should have never ever doubted Ryan he was he was right there like it like it was when we worked together yeah I love what you were trying to do though essentially like a lot of people you were just trying to find a way to it to reconcile in your own heart what was going on right and you chose you know to express it he's a copywriter by the way a brilliant one in the marketing world by trade and I'm uh, an art director by trade that's how we started in the business more years than I care to admit ago he's the catalyst and the genesis for a lot of what he had and when he called you know I already knew and what I loved about him is he's got a big heart always burning and yes you know I with all respect to struggles I mean that makes it extra hard and he was trying uh, the first words almost out of his mouth was would you help me I'm trying to put into words, into song for my children, some optimism because there's so damn much hate everywhere. And, you know, he had me at that sentence. I go, I couldn't agree more. Being an optimist, experiencing it from my own perspective, um, I understood exactly what he needed to do. And it was COVID. And I said, well, where do we start, buddy boy? <laughs> and, you know, I, I think, I think he's, he sent me like an iPhone recording of some words. And, you know, I, Tom, 
had the right idea. So he didn't need me with that. He just needed some help developing it. And I said, let's meet at at a park, at a picnic table where it's, you know, the safe distance. I can't believe we're, we had that point in our lives where we couldn't even go right. inside, right? Yeah. But we couldn't. No. And what was the first park? It was it out was, here somewhere. It was Hidden Valley Park, just down the road. It was a very romantic afternoon with it. <laughs> Construction. I brought, a, I brought a guitar. Tom brought a six-pack. and you know, it, it sounds comedic, but in that moment, I bet there was a huge relief that you weren't alone in feeling the way you were feeling and that... And, and trying to process all the hurt and the anger and the what frustration about what's going on really that cool. you found you found solace and Brian yeah. Brian said yeah 100% I agree with what you're doing and he recognized that and you're trying to process what you're feeling and make sense of it right we're trying to make meaning out of what we're going through this huge co- uh, community mm-hmm. collective tragedy mm-hmm. or collective trauma right so you're processing what you're going through and how to put words into this experience that is so awful and everybody is in this together yeah you know it's incredibly well said you know we've talked about this we all can feel like you're just in your own individual abyss right and that's that's what this damn world's done to us and when you you know when you have that sense of connection you know it's it's kind of interesting that you know, hate and hurt and darkness have to be such a crappy, pure experience. Only probably got together about five times at the park before I felt we had, and you felt we had songs ready to go to the next level, which was to be produced. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you intended that or not. I never asked you you that. When you maybe, when Brian first took the call, he's like, what do you want to do? Because he knew I used to, do music stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I'm, I don't want to perform. I don't want to yeah. put a band I together. To. I, you know, I got three young kids, and I just have no no interest in that. But I want to produce them on a on a high level because it was. I said it, it's intended to be played in two places. Your legacy in my legacy and my living room. That's it. That's all this was ever intended to do. Um, it so was that, just when Brian got involved and then got others involved, there was just, to your point of a collective thing, there were just so many people starting with the people making the music that just kept in a session. They would go, there's something to this. Yeah. This is a little bit different. And so when you start seeing that and people reacting to the music, saying more of that, um, and then suddenly media wants to touch uh, I wanted to produce like, these at the highest level like Tom and I, you know, kind of... I was a little closer to being connected. You had a few yeah. more years away from the music business. Yeah. So I, I did call um, Matt Kirkwall, a great, great producer, friend, and musician, fellow bandmate for Rocket Club. And um, Matt had us over and was so great with how he like listened to Tom and asked Tom a bunch of questions on what he wanted. And, and Tom... <laughs> Tom and I were just chatting about that, and one of the things that we had talked about early on was, well, who's going to sing these songs? Like Tom said, I don't want to start a band. <laughs> Tom is a rapper and a good one, but this wasn't rap music, so he he wasn't going because he and it was the right thing. It's like let's find. You're too laid back to be a rapper. <laughs> oh, you should see this boy transform. I haven't laughed when I used to watch him like 20 years ago. It's like. Yeah, everything changes. (laughs) Um, But what we did is we said, we need Matt. Matt, we need different singers for each song. 
that are most representative of the message. Sure. And we did a lot of casting, and we like kind of did like you know a lot of um, a lot of looking around. And next thing you know, we were in Nashville, and we had the woman who sings Maureen uh, Murphy. Uh, Maureen Murphy. Well, we can try is probably the most sought-after vocalist. Uh, and, and when I say sought-after, she is Nashville's trainer to the stars, vocal trainer. So she literally is sought-after to help vocalists, like or famous people, but she also yeah. is like backups. She's She gets hired to be backup singers You'll for all the big acts. once every other month on one of the big shows. Like, uh, on, on, like yeah, on Jimmy Fallon. She'll be right behind him. Incredible. You know, somebody. So she, uh, we brought her in and she just had the great voice. We actually auditioned a few other women to sing We Can Try. Great singers, but Maureen had the right thing and then Maureen could bring in some additional singers that she worked with to get a little bit of you know, the gospel kind of going to church vibe. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Love's going to break the fall. And just was a just a rich experience in Nashville. 